Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. Welcome to an all-new episode of the AJ Bruno Show. I'm joined today by Casey Biggs. He's an actor, musician, and musician who's appeared in a variety of plays, movies, and TV shows. Uh, you may know him as Damar from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And uh, let's get him on now. Good morning. At least out Hello. on the West Coast. Good to be with us. Yes. Well, afternoon out here, but it's uh, good to have you with us. Don't you have a big nor'easter going on there? A little bit, not too bad, but um, unfortunately, not the same weather you do. So, um, uh, anyway, let's uh, let's get right into it. So, I uh, I read that you decided to shift direction from football to acting originally. Uh, what inspired you to, to first? What's that? That was a long time ago. Long time ago. Well, I, I was wondering what inspired you to, to first get into that, and what was the experience getting started in acting in theater like? Well, I was, uh, uh, I was fortunate enough to go to a, a high school in Toledo, Ohio, that was very famous for its uh, musicals. And uh, I played football the first uh, three years I was there, and I realized I was never going to be a professional football player. And uh, I, could, I could sing, and, and, and I got fortune i got cast in all the leads of the shows there and uh i just felt right at home backstage and there were some wonderful mentors that i had in toledo who saw some talent and they uh, guided me and said if you really want to be a professional you should really get training and these are the schools to go to and uh, i got into them and i decided to go to juilliard in new york which is sort of started the whole ball game there and uh, how was how was going there would you have any advice for someone who wants to get into acting but might have not had the same experience of that sort of training that you did? Well, yeah. I mean, you can't uh, – the thing about acting, acting is a craft, just like being a carpenter is a craft. I mean, I, I can – you know, I just I – just, I taught uh, for 10 years at the master's program at the New School for Drama in New York City. And, uh, uh, you know, if you came there, you, in order to get in there, you had to have talent. And I couldn't – I can't give you talent. I can – sculpture craft and that's what i that's what happened when i was at juilliard i went there when i was 18 so i uh, was out of high school <clears throat> but in in like in any um any passion or any any kind of work you do you have to i mean if you're like i said if you are a carpenter you have to know how to pound a nail or, or otherwise you're not going to be able to build a house and uh, that's the same exact thing with acting which sort of like it makes me chuckle every time like an NBA basketball player decides they're going to go be an actor. It's like, well, I'm going to go play in the NBA tomorrow. It's, it's just not as easy as one would think it would be. And it's very, very, very competitive. And uh, you have to have, uh, you have to be good with rejection and, and you have to follow your bliss. Now, if your bliss is the thing that makes you deeply happy, it's the thing that if it's acting or if it's cooking or if it's anything, that's, I truly believe if you follow your bliss, you will always be living the life you should be living, no matter what that is. Mm-hmm. But uh, oh. there's all kinds of training to be had out there. As a matter of sure fact, enough, I'm setting uh, up a master's class, master, uh, master's acting class uh, in April out here hmm. for people. Well, so you're going to be balancing that, and you're still teaching in New York or not anymore? No, no, I, I am plugged from that because I'm now uh, – Heading up a performing arts center out here in uh, out here in California, the building of a brand new performing arts center. So I have to be here all the time. Sure. 
I don't really sure. miss New York all that much anymore, but I miss I miss being in the studio and working a bit. Mm-hmm. But right. but I have a you know I I I'm I'm here in the middle of Central California. I'm still working my craft. I have a movie that I wrote and uh, it started, which is premiering at the San Luis Obispo uh, Film uh, Festival just this Thursday, actually. Uh-huh. And um, so how has it been doing theater in all these various cities you've worked in, and, and how does that compare to uh, working in film and TV? Oh, it couldn't, it couldn't have been better. I mean, I mean, talk about learning how to do what you do. I was in John Houseman's uh, company, the acting company, which is a classical repertory company for uh, two years. And we traveled the entire country in Europe uh, doing three, four plays a year. And we played places, sometimes there were 6,000 seats and sometimes there were 200 seats. So you really learn, learn your craft there. Plus you had world-class directors and designers and, and all of that. And so it was an amazing experience. One, one I fear that you can't really have too much in this country anymore because they don't have, uh, they don't have uh, repertory companies all that much. Uh, the yeah. acting company is still around, but it's it's smaller and it has a shorter uh, uh, playing span. We played nine, ten months a year, uh, and as an actor, you couldn't ask for anything more. Especially as an actor in your twenties, who gets to travel all over the country and go to these every city you can imagine, doing Shakespeare and restoration plays and Beckett and all the rest of that. I mean, as an actor, it's much more satisfying to be on stage than it is in front of a camera, because the camera mm-hmm. is not an actor's medium. The camera is a is a uh, uh, editor's medium more than anything else. Right. Well, that definitely makes sense. Um, well, let's get into to some of your film work. Um, you were in Broken Arrow, which I thought was a pretty fantastic movie. Uh, what was it oh, like was working in that film? Yeah, and do you have any interesting stories you can share about it? Well, what I liked about that, it was a John Woo movie. Now, for people who know John Woo movies, you know what I'm talking about. They're like bullet ballets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, here, you know, I was, I was part, it was John Travolta and he had a crew of bad guys and I was, you know, one of the bad guys, I was the helicopter pilot. But what was funny about that is I auditioned for that three months before we started shooting for a totally different part. And I got a call and they said, Oh, we want to hire you for this part, which I didn't even know what it was. And I said, yeah, sure. I'll do it. So we spent six weeks out in uh, the uh, desert in uh, Arizona, Lake Powell, at least that's where I did all my shooting. But the fun, the fun story about that one is I had the very, very, very last shot of the entire shoot, which was about a three-month shoot. And it was my death scene in the helicopter. So I, sh- I finished all my shooting in, in uh, Lake Powell, and then weeks, weeks later, I got a call to come into Paramount Studios in, in L.A., and uh, to shoot that scene, so I walk in there, and there's a there's literally a helicopter suspended up in the uh, in the uh, studio, and I get in there, and uh, they put they put all these squibs on these squibs are you know they look like blood comes shooting out where you get when you get killed, and uh, the the first assistant director came up to me and said Casey this is the last shot here now, and uh, you know we can't really screw it up because it would take another four hours to set it up. And everybody was like ready to go have a party and all that. And I, and in that shot, I had a guy shooting up below me and then I had to, my, my chest sort of explodes and I have to fall in the exact right place for the camera to get what the camera wanted. And so I I go from being very sort of confident and, and, 
and uh, happy about it to being, oh, my God, now I'm nervous. Now I'm going to screw this whole shot up. We're going to have to do the whole thing over again because it was the last shot. But we did it. We shot it, and boom, it happened, and I landed right exactly the right place, and it was done. But that uh, was the only thing that made me nervous about the whole thing. And all the guys were great. Travolta was great. That was Howie Long's very first movie. They were trying to turn Howie Long into an action star. Uh, it didn't really work, but <laughs> uh, he's, he's making more money on uh, doing his football stuff anyway. So, right, it was a great experience. That's fantastic. And I played Kevin Costner's brother in a really good film called Dragonfly, which uh, which was a neat film. Um, I've just the past year I've done three films. The the one that I'm premiering uh, this week, which is called uh, The Heart of Paradise. That I did a wonderful film called Sweet Parents, which is uh, which is uh, uh, premiering in LA actually in April, and it won a few. Uh, it won a bunch of um, competitions and film festivals. And, and the interesting story about that is, it was written by one of my students at the school, who came to me years ago and said, "I've got the script. I'd like you to be in it." And I said, "Well, call me when you get the money." Well, he got the money. He called me. And we shot it, and, and it turned out really beautifully. Very proud of him. He wrote it, he directed it, and he was one of the stars of it. <clears throat> and then um, mm-hmm. another one I did uh, called Half Brother, which was really a terrific film that won some of These are independent films. And those are the most fun to do. I mean, you don't make a whole heck of a lot of money, but they're passion projects, and those are the ones I like to do. Mm. No, I've heard some other people say those are some of the best films to work on, too. Um, you were also in uh, the Pelican Brief. Uh, what was uh, what was that like? Uh, that was neat. Um, I, uh, I I had a few few scenes in that, and you know, it was the thing that I thought it was neat was that it was when Julia Roberts had just married Lyle Lovett, and he he used to come around to the set, and I'm a I'm a huge Lyle Lovett fan, so uh, um, that, that was uh, that was fun, and it was a great director, and you know, the writing was terrific, and. It, uh, we shot actually at the CIA in uh, in Washington, um, but that was a, that was that was a, that was a good one. And, it, and the cool thing about all these movies you mentioned, they all still play all the time, so I still got residuals, so that's good. <laughs> no, yeah, I see these movies on a lot, so um, well, there's some good films too, so that definitely helps. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so uh, before I get into Star Trek, you also were in an episode of another big uh, franchise of the X-Files. Um, how would you describe that experience of being on a different legendary show? Well, it was terrific. I mean, that was, a, it was a, that particular episode was a huge production. It was actually one of the few where uh, Duchovny and uh, what's his name? Patrick uh, um, were in the same episode. Right. Um, who, who took over for him actually in that thing. What was his name? Uh, not Jason Patrick. Uh, the guy, the guy that was the, uh, the one of the Terminators. You know what I'm talking about. Right? Um, Robert Patrick. So that's it, yeah. And yeah. Uh, and we shot at um, we were shooting on these big oil rigs off of Santa Barbara, and it was one of those episodes where the, you know the black oil stuff gets in your eyes and all of that. And what was fun about that is um, the last day that I shot out there. Because they had all these extras on the show, these big tattooed, bald-headed bruiser guys, and really nice guys. And as most people know or don't know, making film movies is most about hurry up and wait. You just sit around, and then you, you know, it's like uh, one of the great actors said, "They, I, I act for free. They pay me to wait." Um, 
And, and But anyway, that one of the last nights, one of the guys said, hey, what are you doing tonight? And I said, well, I don't know. He said, well, listen, I'm bouncing at a bar in Santa Monica. Why don't you come down? So I went down there and uh, sat down there. And very, very long story. It happens to be the, the night that I met uh, my wife, the woman that I married. Been married uh-huh. for the past 50 years. So hmm. that, was, uh, that was fun. And that plays all the time, too. It was pretty neat. You get to no. do a lot of cool things when you get to make films. I, I, I did a TV film years ago where I got to ride an elephant and hang out of a helicopter and all that cool stuff. Yeah, which one was that? It was called uh, Wild, Running Wild. It was called. Wild. It was originally called the. And I was. You know who my co-star was in that? Was uh, was uh, um, he was on? He was the uh, uh, the other guy on uh, on. Miami Vice, so it was a it was a whole heck of a lot of fun. Wow, Philip Thomas, uh, name one. Philip Thomas. Oh wow, yeah. I'll have to keep an eye we out got, for that we've one. We've got the we got the great friends. Well, that was I tell you, I was literally twenty two years old when I did that. <laughs> <laughs> a good way to start. And also, so, um, I, I just to say too that I'm in a. I, I, I'm going to probably be doing a recurring thing on a new Shonda Rhyme show called uh, For the People, which I think is just premiering around now, actually. Mm-hmm. Playing an attorney in that. No, I think I, I heard of that one, so we'll definitely keep an eye out for it. Well, your uh, your character, Damar, on Deep Space Nine, I think that turned out to be one of the more complicated roles. But I read that you thought it was pretty minimalist when first reading for the part. What uh, what made you draw that conclusion, and how did it evolve from there? Well, because I I mean I went into audition and it was literally five five words, and that was the whole thing five words in the in the whole episode. And I thought, what the hell am I doing here? I went to Juilliard. I don't. I should. They could have an extra do this part. But uh, I didn't. They had sort of plans, ideas for the for the character. They don't tell you that stuff. You know, you just walk in. Mm. <clears throat> I mean, and I've, I've, you know, I've told the story in the conventions where I, I went in there and I say they're in range, sir, fire, and they go, oh, mm-hmm. oh, that was really an intelligent reading. And I thought, who are these crazy these guys? <clears throat> and then I got called back the next day to do the same thing. And but what little <laughs> did I know, this is what you never really know. Uh, Ira Bear, who is the, you know, showrunner and executive producer, mm-hmm. he was a huge fan of the uh, Alamo, and I, I starred in the very first dramatic. IMAX film they ever shot and it was called The Price of Freedom and it was about the Alamo and little did I know that I had the job the moment I walked in the door because he saw that film and he thought it was fantastic so um, I didn't know that and I, you know I did the one episode and I figured well you know this is it it's done but then I ended up on the show for five years and became the leader of the empire so that's, that's pretty great <laughs> uh, uh, now it worked out better for your character but you know, still nice to be the leader well, but I mean, the thing is, if you're going to die on the show, it's great to die the last five minutes of the last episode of the mm-hmm. last season of the show. They could have killed me no. off 15 times. You know? That's true. They could have no. killed me off when I killed the, killed the Ducat's daughter. Uh, but uh, they liked me better than they liked her, so I, I no. stayed on the show. <laughs> yeah. And better than dying eight times like Wayne, so worked out for you. Yeah, that damn way, um, i tell you, man. One of my favorite lines in that is that... Uh, Jeff and I were having a scene, and, and he comes in, and he starts, you know, giving me some crap. And I look up at him, and I say, well, you better be careful who you're talking to, or, you're, I'll, be, or I'll be talking to way you number nine. <laughs> See, but that, you know, that's another thing. They like Jeff so much, too. They killed him off. 
And they said, well, man, why did we kill him off? We just liked him so much. And they said, well, hey, come on, we're out of space. We just clone him. And they just keep cloning him all the time. Uh, <laughs> and, then, and then one of my other favorite lines, and that is that when I, uh, uh, I, saw, I let uh, Worf go, and, um, and I look up at him, and I said, and, and, and Worf kills uh, Wayun, breaks his neck or something, and I look at him and said, you know, you, 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 sh- you should have killed me. There's only one tomorrow. <laughs> just, just keeps coming back, coming back. That's funny. I remember that scene. Yeah. So how did um how did you get inside the head of that character? Did you find yourself sympathizing with him and seeing the story from his perspective the entire time, or did it take until later on? Well, in the very good beginning, I, I didn't have any idea who these people were. You know, I mean, mm. and when I, I'm sitting on the set the first time, and, and Mark Alimo says, "Ah, oh, don't worry, I'll, I'll I'll fill you in." You know, Mark was the iconic Cardassian. You know, he was he was like the epitome of a Cardassian. And then you had, you know, the big, the major three Cardassians were he and I and uh, and Andy Robinson. You know, you couldn't have three more different personalities as characters, and it was great. But uh, you know, the way I looked at it in the beginning, he was just he was a loyal lieutenant to uh, to uh, to Mark to Gal Dukat. And um, the bigger my got, and the more they, they, they Dukat sort of went off. Uh, who the hell knows where he went off to? I mean, they, what they did, how did he all of a sudden start looking like a Bajoran? It just cracked <laughs> me up. Uh, and anyway, I got, you know, it, it got more and more intense, and they had this whole, you know, founders and this thing with Jeff and I. He was, like, you know, running, running him. And then I loved that episode where I just said, enough is enough. I'm out of here. And then I turned into a rebel, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's what I really liked. But it was it was a huge arc. I mean, even in the end there, you know, you know, they – they gave. Uh, I even got a sense of humor, which was nice. No, no, I saw that. That was um, that was definitely great. There's some characters that are recurring that you forget about, but yours is one of the more memorable ones. So, yeah, um, I tell you, that's because Ira loved loved what he called his repertory company. Mark and and Andy and Jeff and I and all these recurring characters that they they. I mean, if you look at season, I think it's season six or five or six, where we take over the. Uh, Space Station? I mean, it was like no. our show. All those other guys, they were off in some little pod somewhere. We were running. We were running the thing. We had this great six-show arc. And another funny thing I thought was, because um, the thing about roles like ours, because you never know how many episodes you're going to do. Right? So you do one, you figure, well, that's the last one I'm going to be on. Well, I got, I got a job at Lincoln Center and a play in New York. And I told Ira about it. He said, what? I said, yeah, I'm going to do this brand new play in New York. He said, you're you're in 13 episodes. I said, you didn't tell me. As far as I know, I was doing one show, and that was it. So they never really told you that. So the cool thing, they could have just written me out. They flew me back on my days off to do the to do the episodes. That that mm-hmm. was that was way cool. And that was the same time, just before that, I was doing two series at the same time. Doing one, uh, uh, I think it was called. Uh, it was called appearance or something. But it, it was it was it took place in post Civil War. We shot it in Virginia, and then I was doing Star Trek. So three days a week I was riding a horse, and three days a week I was in L.A. flying a spaceship. That is an yeah. actor's dream. That's a dream. Just flying back and forth and you know doing these two shows. It was great. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Um, <clears throat> so there were uh, a lot of great performances on the show, but if you had to pick someone besides yourself, is there one person who really stood out for you? 
Well, that's in our show. It, it was hard because they were they had yeah. such terrific actors on there, and also classically trained actors. Um, um, I mean, I think you know uh, uh, Avery was terrific in his own Avery way. You know, personally, I think uh, uh, Rene Auberjonois is one of the best actors. Uh, you know, working. Uh, I'm you know a huge fan of Jeff Combs and and Alimo was was you know the great thing about Alimo is he always thought he was the star of the show so that's what made him so yeah. so good. Plus he's our boss. Um, you have to say that. Yeah, yeah, and all, no, I don't, yeah. but but and then then you've got uh, Bob O'Reilly, fantastic actor. J. G. Hertzler, terrific actor. Um, uh, Armin Shimmerman, Max Gredenchik, for Christ's sake, you know he's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, so, like you, you know, just go on and on with that. Where well, I have to say, you know, I I probably couldn't say that about some of the other shows, but that's too no. <laughs> right. No, I know you're not a big Enterprise fan, so uh, I just uh, I, I didn't get it. You know, I mm-hmm. um, I was on. I did one episode, and they talked me into it because they said, "Oh, it's going to be a great character," and you did the one thing, and you never saw him again. Um, but uh, I, it was just uh, too melodramatic to me in the wrong way, you know. Mm-hmm. Like our show was melodramatic. You know, mel- all Star Trek is melodrama. Shakespeare is melodrama. Because melodrama just means you're dealing with life and death situations. And, uh, and it has to be really committed to. <clears throat> but, um, but that and... and, and, and uh, you know, my wife liked the Next Generation. She rarely ever watched the show that I showed, but I was. <laughs> but uh, she was a big fan of Next Generation. Yeah. Were uh, Were you ever a, a sci-fi fan, or in particular a Star Trek one, or what sort of content generally draws you in? Well, I was a, I was a huge fan of the first series, but I was a kid, you know, in the '60s, mm-hmm. and, and I sort of wanted to be, you know, Kirk, but I'm not now, that's for sure. <laughs> but. Uh, um, <laughs> I was a big, big fan of that show, and uh, but uh, the sci-fi that that sort of I could buy, yeah, stuff that's really outrageous, I never did. I, there was a when I was a little, when I was young, I read a lot of sci-fi stuff, but I have to say that I think we just dropped the call there. We'll try to get Casey back on. Um, okay, well, while we're waiting for that. Uh, we had some other issues to get to, so we will hopefully get. Um, there he is. Okay, back on the line. Let's uh, let's get him live. At the first time Great. we dropped the Sorry. call, but yeah. <laughs> well, you no know, problem. out here in the boonies in California, it gets a it gets a little uh, a little, yeah. a little strange. What was I saying? Anything interesting? Um, no, no, uh, no. You were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you were talking about uh, being a fan of the original series, but not so much now. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can't say that. Yeah. I, I, I like science. It's science now, but it's not the only thing. The only thing that I, I sort of go for. But mm-hmm. and I still the, the new one. Uh, I only watched the first episode, so I'm not quite sure sure about it yet. Discovery, yeah. I guess it's called. It's yeah. not. It's in my. It's not. Doesn't quite match up to some of the other shows. But um, you know, Jason and I did you know, great on it. They spend a so fortune on yeah. that show too. They spend a yeah. fortune on that show. Uh, they, you know, they, but they, hey, they do. You know, they you know what's great it. is that it, it 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 rebrands the whole the franchise, which is great. Mm. 
It just keeps no, it going. Uh, if it gets more series and movies out of it, that definitely helps. Um, yeah. <clears throat> you were you were recently on Star Trek: The Cruise, which uh, I had the pleasure of meeting you on. Um, can you take us behind the scenes at something like that? How was an event like this from the perspective of someone who's an invited guest in terms of preparation and, and the different angle you experience it from? Well, what, what people don't really realize is that it's really a lot of work. I mean, uh, it's not like, oh, hey, I'm going on a vacation for, for a week. No, they, they book you, you know, morning to night usually. And um, uh, which is, you know, it's fine because I personally, I've always felt this way that, that the fans spend so much money to go to these things whether it be a convention or the cruise or something like that, I really feel that they deserve attention must be paid, you know, instead of like you sit there at a, at a signing session, you just keep signing. Don't look, don't talk to anybody. I mean, I, you know, yeah. at least me and my friends that do this, uh, Vaughn Armstrong and, you know, all the Rat Pack guys and all that. I mean, we pay attention. It's like, I think you gotta, you know, it's, I like smaller intimate ones like that. I mean, I'm going to, uh, Birmingham in October. The last time we were in Birmingham, there were twenty thousand fans there. It was huge. I'm going to Germany in April. Uh, that's going to be another big one. Um, hmm. But I think that you know what we do there is you you know you're you're contracted, and before you go, you have an entire uh, schedule that they set you up with with is you know what you're doing in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evenings, that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, I have always found that you know that they're treated very well, and and the guests, the the people who come on the cruise, the fans, they're uh, very respectful and and happy to be there. And what I love about it is that you've got a five thousand people of all like minded. So how can you not have mm-hmm. a good time? You know. But whenever you walk out of your your room, but there's you know five ten thousand eyes on you too. I mean, it's but it's it's very. Uh, I find it. Uh, I, I had a good time. I'm glad I did it, and they've already contracted me for next year again. Mm-hmm. So, I'll be doing that. No, I heard about that. That uh, that's great. Um, so, sorry, were you saying something or? No, no, no. I'm waiting. No. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I was gonna gonna ask. Uh, you've been you've been asked a lot of Star Trek questions, obviously, over the years. Um, any of these events? Are there questions that come up? so often that it kind of gets a little tiring at some point? Oh, yeah. So, you know, the usual, how long does the makeup take and, and that kind of stuff. But it's easy to turn that around to talk about why. I mean, I, I'm always fascinated about by why people like the show so much. Why do they do this? Why do you spend money to go to these things? I was in Italy at one one time, and I turned the whole thing around. Instead of them asking me questions, I asked them questions. And the, and the thing that was interesting is most people come to, at least in Italy, this one, they came because of what the show meant to them more than just going to see the, the actors or the celebrities or whatever. They really, they really um, uh, went there to, to share the experience of what the show meant to them. And I find that that's, that's true. I mean, on these cruises, I've met people that, I mean, they became engineers, scientists, whatever, because the show inspired them. That's extraordinary. I mean, I think, and, uh, and it's not that, you know, that cliche thing about, you know, Star Trek fans are all geeks. It's not true. They're they're engineers and they're scientists. and (laughs) and, uh, It's fascinating. Right. Right. And you always hear about things like the cell phone coming out of the original series being inspired from that. So. 
Well, everything. I mean, practically it's ridiculous. I can't, almost daily I can say, that's there because of Star Trek. And this is so, yeah. you know, it's like Star Trek. You know, we, we are truly only limited by our imaginations, you know. And that's what that kind of show sort of lets your imagination run free. It's like what I said, well, like Jeff, hey, they kill him off. Well, hell, we'll just create a planet where they keep replicating, you know, Wayunes. <laughs> so, uh, well, that's the beauty of sci-fi, I guess. Well, look, um, I read a thing today where they're going to start doing these uh, Uber helicopters, right? These these driverless helicopters, they'll be able to fly you someplace, you know, in places. And that's all Star Trek stuff. I mean, yeah. if we hadn't gone to the moon, we wouldn't, you know, wouldn't even have these things. And now yeah. the, the sad thing is, is we don't have people with the vision in there to realize how important that kind of thing is. Uh, that kind of commitment to, to exploration and, 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 I mean, creating the scientists, creating the engineers that actually take us into the future. People get too small-minded and think, oh, let's put a, let's put a wall around the country so nobody can come in. But let's not go there. <laughs> no, I, I don't think we have the same vision that they had maybe during the Apollo era, and it's a, it's a shame. No. So, no, it's not. so uh, a few other questions I want to get to real quick. Um, so you're involved in, in two different Star Trek-themed musical groups. So when did you get your passion for music, and how has it been being a part of uh, both of them? Well, I've always uh, you know, been a musician from my high school days, and, and I had a band in high school, and I've always played played guitar and written music and that. And, and uh, one time I was sitting with uh, Vaughn, and he had his little ukulele, and he was playing some. I said, that's pretty cool. And he said, hey, well, let's start a band. And so I said, well, that's not a bad idea. And then we got uh, um, Steve Rankin involved, who's a fantastic musician. He's been on a bunch of the shows. And uh, we wrote a bunch of music. I think the first CD was mostly uh, Vaughn's uh, wrote them, and then uh, we uh, arranged them and recorded them. And the second CD we had, uh, we also we all uh, contributed. And it's just been a, been a blast. I mean, we uh, we're like rock stars in Germany, you know. But that's not saying a lot because so is uh, David Hasselhoff. So uh, you know. <laughs> Um, but we had a great we had a great time playing over there. We played uh, we're actually a, the Enterprise Blues Band is playing in uh, Birmingham when we go in October. And then uh, I think it was Lolita Fatjo came up with the idea about the Rat Pack Star Trek Rat Pack, and uh, got Max on, on writing some tunes. And we've been doing that for almost she's uh, almost ten years now, and uh, it's just it's a blast. I mean we're doing that in Germany. We're doing it again in Vegas. Um, and it's fun, and and you know it's in the contract that they have to serve us two drinks every every show. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's fantastic! But I still I have no, two bands here too. I have the Paso I have the Paso Wine Man band as well, which uh, I have two versions of that, which is one is a blues band and one is a jazz band. As a matter of fact, this Friday up here in, in Paso Robles, I have a big concert. Um, so uh, you know I keep I keep my what I call it keeping your brushes wet. Keep your brushes wet. Yeah. You know, keep keep doing it. Oh, that's a good philosophy. So, yep. are there um, any particular type of, of roles you haven't tackled in the past, but you'd you'd like to in the future? Um, I mean, there's a few, a few classical roles I would like to do, and there's a couple of you know contemporary plays I would like to do. Like, I, I, I would like to do uh, "Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf," Edward Albee play, and um, I think. Uh, 
Uh, the funny thing is, is that I'm I'm a little more uh, satisfied by directing now than I am by acting. Because uh, mm-hmm. when you're director, you get to play God, really. I mean, you know, you you get to you get to tell the story the way you want to tell it, and you sculpt the whole thing from at least on stage from. Because uh, that's what I taught in New York. At the, I taught directing and acting, uh, classical acting at the New School. Um, but role-wise, in terms of film and television now, you know, you're not the, we're not the Young Turks anymore. The, you know, the show's never really going to be about us anymore. So my ma- my manager. He says, Casey's the kind of guy, he's, he's like, you know, he, he's the he's the guy in charge who's still kissable. I, I sort of like that. That's a good thing. You go and do your thing a couple of days and then, you know, uh, uh, I think Gary Cooper or, or one of those guys, they said, what do you look for in a role? And he says, days, he said, days off. That's <laughs> what he looks for. In a <laughs> um, I'm, my life is so incredibly full uh, right now. And I'm so fortunate to be able to continue to act and direct and, and, and live my life up here and build, you know, work on this performing arts center. And it's just, uh, you know, a cup of coffee and a bagel and you're going to be seven and you know, what the hell happened? Oh. There's just so much, there's so much. To... Yeah. Well, fortunately, Cardassians, you can't tell them apart, older or younger. So. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I wonder what about that. Yeah. I wonder how they use an old Cardassian. Hmm. But that doesn't matter. Cause now you know, we're, we're, I'm, I'm, I'm indelibly in the mind of, you know, in the mind of the Star Trek world is that look and that Kardashian. Yeah. It was a, it was a good so, gig. I was very happy to have done it. No, I mean, that's a, that's a really great role. Um, yep. So can you tell us anything about either the upcoming DS9 documentary or I know you've talked about some of your projects, any of those you haven't mentioned yet? Yeah, we haven't seen, I haven't seen the, the documentary yet. I think it's what I love about what happened with that thing. You know, they put out, they needed about 150000 to finish the film. And a bunch of us did a little sizzle reel about the GoFundMe thing. I think within, you know, 24, 48 hours, I'm like, they had $700,000. That's because so many people wanted to see that thing done. So that meant that they could take a 60-minute uh, doc and turn it into a 90-minute documentary. They could get better better um, uh, um, footage. Uh, they could do more interviews. I mean, I think it's just going to be terrific. Um, but I, I don't quite, I mean, we all did, a bunch of us did a number of interviews for it. And, um, and it'll be, and you know, I know, I know that Ira went around to the conventions and interviewed some of the, some of the fans as well. And I think they're going to be. I may see it in Germany. I think they're going to be in Germany. The, the guys, uh, um, the guys that did it, did the uh, doc. So that'll be great to see. And uh, we'll see what happens. I don't know. Did you see? Have you mm-hmm. seen the, uh, uh, the Trekkies movies? I have not the recently, Trekkies. but I know you were in the second one. I think I was in the second one. Yeah, and mm-hmm. uh, like I said, in the second one at the end, there, you know, fifty years from now, they're still going to be having Star Trek conventions. You know, and yeah. that's what's extraordinary about being involved in that whole world no it's um beyond crazy what happened in the franchise so um yeah amazing just amazing how did you get to be a fan i've been watching for for so long now um you know i recall watching the first episode of voyager when i was like six so um i've pretty much been watching straight through um i've seen all the series at least one time. So I would say I've always been into sci-fi in general, just the stories you can tell, the parables, the way that it relates to the real world. And 
it's um, it's a lot deeper than a lot of other shows. Yeah, it deals with. Uh, I mean, that's that's that's. I think that's again, like in Europe too. It's even more so. It's what it can what it can what it can uh, uh, deal with in terms of race and sex and all the rest of that because their aliens can go a lot further than mm. what they could have done in the day when when uh, it was originally came out. And it, yeah, come on, it's all about inclusion. It's about inclusion, and it's about it's it's a moral thing. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's an amazing philosophy yeah. uh, that we need to pay more attention to today. I think. No, definitely. I mean, it's an ideal future where the only threat is a possible alien invasion. So. Yeah, and the thing that's bizarre is our show really took off in terms of ratings when the war started. It got big time. That was uh, that was around I don't know season four or something like that. Hmm. The whole war happened and and then it just really got interesting because the problem with our show is you had to deal with the fact that it was not a ship going someplace. It was a space station that was in one place. And and what happened on that, that was the big difference uh, between uh, our show and the other shows. Well, they brought in the science. I guess they kind of bridged that a little bit, but yep. Yeah. But, um, to find out no, that's, that's what made a difference. Um, yeah. yeah. There's no drama without conflict, so they have to find the conflict in it where, wherever it happens to be or may be. So. No, I mean it was a it was a Star Trek show and also a, a dark war drama, which really, that I think that's why some people say it's their favorite. For me, it's close. It's really close, but it's a great show nonetheless. Yeah, 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 and it got to be, and you really got to do some character study stuff in there. I mean, they really got into the people. I mean, the whole, the whole, uh, um, uh, Armin's whole world, you know, and uh, and then the the uh, Romulan thing. I mean, it was just, it's just fascinating. I mean, all you have to do is you, you change the names from aliens to to black, white, red, yellow, and you know, and we got the same thing going on. Yeah. No, that's what uh, definitely that, that's what makes it such a unique show that I guess draws people in. But um, <clears throat> well, it's uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Oh Thanks no, so thanks. Much My for, pleasure indeed. Yeah, yeah I enjoy uh, being able to talk about this, and, and uh, it's you know part of the fabric of who we are now, right? Yeah. Hopefully, we can be a little bit more like uh, like Star Trek, maybe without. You know, you working with the Dominion, but besides for that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, keep that keep that weasel way you and out of it, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, he's the he's the worst. What a great character that was! Oh, Jeff just did such a fabulous job with it, man. Well, he, I he finally said to him, I said, "Hey, so. why don't you? Why don't they? I mean, he played so many characters. Let, let somebody else get a job for Christ's sake, you know? <laughs> they liked him so much, they kept bringing bringing him back as different characters. Uh, I guess he was going for Vaughn's record. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for the chat. Had a good time. Sure, me too. It was a pleasure to speak to you. Thanks a lot. Great. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Well, that was Casey Biggs, um, actor and musician, and it was uh, really a fantastic talk. Um, we had a little bit of uh, connection difficulty before. Luckily, it didn't last long. So uh, this is the end of our show for now. Uh, I can announce that next Monday we'll be having uh, Dr. Seth Shostak on. Um, he is a senior SETI astronomer. He's been on many documentaries. 
Uh, so that should be a good show. Be sure to tune in for that. Uh, until then, uh, this is the AJ Bruno Show. Thanks so much for joining us.